I was telling the, the team that leads worship, we get together and kind of talk through the flow of the, the morning and announcements and um, songs and all those things and talking just a few minutes ago. And, and I said, I can't remember a, a time where I had as much, as much difficulty preparing a teaching as I have this week. Like it was just one of those where just sit down to write and I'm like, ah, delete that. That's garbage. And, you know, start over again. That's not good. And, 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 and literally there, there's this tension that I feel of when I teach, it's like, sometimes I go, man, I've, I've just got to say something like, you know, and there's a difference when you go, I've got to say something compared to I've got something to say. And, and I'm like, Lord, I just really need that thing to tilt because I, you know, have just been sitting in this place of Sunday at, you know, 930. I got to stand up here and have something to say, and I need you to help me. And, and so this weekend, I've just been really praying and tried to be really present. And, you know, we, on Thursday afternoon, we have our teaching team where whoever's teaching will kind of talk through what they're going to be preaching on and get feedback. And, and I just, it was a good teaching, I mean, it's fine, but I just knew it wasn't complete. And all weekend, I just felt this, like, hey, I just need to trust the Lord with this and be present with my family, lots of things going on, kids' basketball games all day yesterday, soak that in, be present. And the problem when you do that is Sunday morning rolls around. And, 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 and so I've just been asking, even this morning, got up early and I'm just like, God, what is the thing that, that you want us to hear this morning? Like, I don't want to just say something, to be saying something. I just want to fill time. Is there something that you want us to hear? And I felt like the, the thing that I want to offer this morning is, is that the thing that the Lord wants us to, to really lean into this morning is just this idea of trust. And, and trust is a really big deal. That relationships can really flourish. Relationships can thrive when there is a high level of trust. Um, this is true in, in our relationships with each other. It's really true of our relationships in church. It's, and it's most certainly true of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, with the Spirit. And I'm going to just ask us a few questions this morning. Do, do we as a church family trust the Lord? More than communally, though, let's get more personal. Do you trust Him? Like genuinely, you know, don't just give me the, the yes because that's the answer you're supposed to give. I want you to really think about it deep in your heart. Do you actually trust the Lord? Do you trust in the Lord's character? Um, do, you, do you trust in the Lord's ability to provide for you? Do you trust in the Lord's forgiveness, his mercy over your life? Do you, do you trust that the Lord is present and he's good even when the storms of life keep coming at you? This morning, a question that I really want us to wrestle with is, do you actually trust him? Do you trust that he hasn't abandoned you, that, that he still longs to write a story that can, bring, that can bring Jesus so much glory through your life? Do you trust him? If you're like me, you probably have many moments of life and, and pockets of your life where you do trust the Lord. And then you have moments in life where you have you know, pockets of your life where you backslide into doubt and fear. And so I think about my senior year of high school and I was living in Murray, Kentucky with my family and just really feeling this call to ministry. Honestly, since I was pretty young, just kind of thought that's what the Lord has 
created me to do. And so I remember sitting in my backyard one night, I was sitting on the swing that, you know, my sister and brother and I grew up swinging on in our backyard. And I remember just looking up at the sky, looking up at the stars, looking up at the moon and just praying to the Lord, Lord, I feel so called to ministry. And, and, and so I felt like, man, I need to go to school to be trained at a Christian school to be equipped for this. And the problem is that my family and I didn't have the, the means to put me through private Christian school. And so I remember just sitting in the swing, just going, God, I feel called to this. And, 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 and I trust you. And it was so crazy because there was, there was nothing in front of me that, that should have made me trust, but there was just this deep peace in my heart that I knew that if the Lord was calling me into this, he was going to come through. And what was so crazy is, is that, you know, my, my parents had saved up a little money, my granddad had given some money, and I had I'd saved up some money, but it was nowhere near what I needed to, to put myself through school. And I remember just all throughout college, just watching the way the Lord would provide over and over and over again. And, and it was crazy because, you know, if the Lord has been trying to teach me any area of my life where I can trust him, it's with finances. And yet how often when, when there will be a pressure point in my family where I start thinking about something with my kids or my family, and I'm like, man, how are we going to pay for this? And over and over again, the Lord is just like reminding me of the way that he's been faithful inviting me to trust him. And, and, and if you're like me, you have moments where, where for some reason you just trust the Lord. You trust him. You trust that he sees you. You trust that, that he's going to take care of you. And, and you also have moments in life, just like Peter walking on the water for whatever reason, that doubt and fear creep in. And, and, and I love what we're going to be talking about this morning. Because if we learn anything, it's that God is in the business of walking people with real people on a real journey um, to helping us be people who actually trust him. Dave kicked off our, our series last week, the Advent series that we're going to be in, and I really like the way that he, he kind of phrased it of the soundtrack around the birth of Jesus, the soundtrack of the season. That all throughout surrounding the, the, the birth of Jesus, that, that it was really more like a musical that people would just burst out in song and you see it all over the place that, that as, as Christ came into the world or as they were anticipating Christ, that, 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 that words didn't do it justice, that it called more from the heart, it called more from the soul, it called for a song. And so in this season, the next few weeks, we're just looking at different songs. And this morning, I get to teach and talk about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the song in Luke chapter one. And I love this song. And I want to give us a little context for it. You know, I think the, the most meaningful songs are the songs that have a story behind them. And there's most certainly a story behind this song. And so I want to just give us a little context. And so Luke, the, the book of Luke, you guys are open there in your Bible right now, uh, written by this guy named Luke. And, and I really love the way that he starts out. And so the first few verses, he's, he's writing um, kind of specifically to this person who was, that he really wants to know Jesus. But the very first story that he gets into, it's not about Jesus. It's about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And, and man, we don't have time to, to really deep dive them. I wish we did today because their story is so beautiful. But man, what we need to know for this morning is that they are a very God-loving and God-fearing couple, and they're very old. And for all their life, they wanted to have a baby. They wanted to get pregnant. 
And even though they weren't able to, to, to conceive and have a child, what you see in their life is that they kept relentlessly serving the Lord Jesus. They kept serving God with fervor and passion, even though God hadn't given them this, this thing, this good thing that they wanted for so long. And this is not the sermon. This is just kind of a, well, this is the sermon, but it's not a main point in the sermon. It's just something for you to chew on. If you, if you, if you find yourself in a Zechariah and Elizabeth season, man, if you come here this morning, there's something, if there's something really good that you want, but you don't yet have it. Please don't in your disappointment lose heart. And please don't in your disappointment quit praying. And please don't in your disappointment most certainly give up on God. Uh, a word from just a friend and a brother is that if, if you find yourself in a Zechariah and Elizabeth season, stay the course. Keep serving the Lord. And I'm not promising, and, and the Lord doesn't promise that in this life you're gonna get the thing that you want, and I wish that was true. I wish that I could just stand here and say, if you just will do this, you're gonna get that, but that's not the way that life works. It's not the way that God always works, but I'm telling you, if you will stay the course, if you will stay faithful, if you will keep your eyes on the Lord, that before the Lord, you'll stand before him one day, and he will look at you, and he'll say, you're my blameless and my righteous child and you didn't lose hope, and, and you didn't lose faith, and you didn't turn on me, that you had a, an incredibly mature faith that didn't give up just because you didn't get the thing that you were wanting. Well done, my servant. I love this story. The way this story actually goes, Zechariah and Elizabeth is, the angel Gabriel shows up. And he comes to Zechariah. Zechariah is, is working. He's a priest. He's actually in the temple tending to, to, to the Lord in the, in the temple in the middle of the night. And an angel appears to him. And, and the angel comes to him and he says, Zechariah, you and your wife, your prayer has been heard. The son, that, the, the child that you've been praying for, that you've been asking for for so long, you're going to have a baby. And, and, and the angel comes to him and delivers this, uh, this good news. And he honestly says to Zechariah everything that a parent could want to be said about their kid. Listen to these words from Luke chapter one, starting in verse 14. This is what the angel says about his son, John the Baptist. It says that he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Listen to this. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. What if someone said that about you, about your kid? They're going to bring many people back to the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah, in this moment, hearing this news, his response is not what we'd want it to be. He doesn't trust. 
He doesn't trust the words of the angel. He, he, I want you just to picture this, that, that an angel shows up to him at work. And it's not like encountering angels was a part of his just repertoire. It's not something that happened to him all the time. This is a, a big moment, a distinct moment, something that happens once in a, a lifetime, really. And, and the angel shows up and says, hey, this prayer that you've been praying, God's answered it. You're going to have a baby. And instead of him going, what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for hearing my prayer. Thank you for, for hearing us and for listening. I've got to go tell Elizabeth. I've got to go tell everyone. And, and instead of him responding in faith and in joy, he looks at the angel and he goes, are you sure? How can I know you're sure? Like, I don't want to leave work and, and be telling everybody that, that I'm going to have a son and then it not come to pass. I don't want to look like an, a fool. And, and I go, man, what was exposed in Zechariah is that he was a righteous and a blameless man, but he did not trust the words of the Lord. These particular words, particular words of the Lord. The words of the Lord weren't enough for him. He needed more. And the angel has an interesting response to, to him. You know, we might hear that and be like, well, God, give him some, you know, you know, he's lived his whole life and he probably had, you know, just wasn't expected. And the angel comes to him and he says, hey, because you didn't believe my words until the day your child is born, you're not going to be able to talk. And instantly his voice goes out. Story goes, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. You know, the natural way, not the supernatural way, like Mary for the next 10 months, the mute button was on in his life. 10 months of not talking. And there's a lot here that we don't have time to, to dig into today, but I do want to say a few things. I want us to, to really wrestle with this and to take this to heart. Do you understand that God has the right to discipline us? At Hebrews chapter 12, it, the scriptures actually tell us that, that God disciplines those he loves. And I want us to understand this. Our God is not distant and he is not deistic and he is not far off and uninterested and uninvolved, that he is very much involved in our lives. And I also want to say this. I don't think we need to jump to conclusions every time we get a cold and lose our voice or every time we experience a hardship in life. We're like, man, is this God disciplining us for, for something we've done wrong? There are times in life that we make sinful, rebellious choices against God. And sometimes those choices come with natural consequences and sometimes they come with supernatural consequences. And maybe we'll circle back to this some other time, but I want us to just understand this, that God does not discipline us because he hates us, because he wants to destroy us. In fact, it's the opposite. He loves us. And he disciplines us. Why? Because he wants to teach us and to train us to be people who trust him. If you're a parent, you get this. This is why you discipline your children. Discipline is actually harder, I think, on the parents than it is on your kids. I've been on both sides of the fence now. <laughs> and the father disciplines us because he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. 
And so we're not told explicitly what, what Zechariah did in these 10 months, but we do know that, that 10 months go by and the baby, this, his son is born. And, and there's this moment where, where they you know, would bring the baby to the temple and, and, and it was this big ordeal. And they would say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna name the baby. And so the family comes around and, and they're like, okay, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna name this baby Zechariah. I go, man, what an, what an honor for Zechariah to have, you know, Zechariah Jr. in the family. And, 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 and Elizabeth speaks up and goes, no, his name's John. They're like, what? No one in the family's named John. That's kind of a stupid name. Don't name him John, name him Zechariah. And, 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 and they look at Zechariah and they're like, hey, what, what's the name gonna be? And he pulls out his little tablet and, J-O-H-N. And he holds up the sign. And it says instantly that his voice returns to him. And I love the, the song that he sings because when you've been mute for 10 months and you're holding a son that you prayed for and even beyond that, man, words don't do it justice. It calls for a song. And this is the song of Zechariah that we're gonna be in for the next few minutes. Starting in verse 68, hear these words. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace, the word of the Lord. Zechariah comes out of the silence with a song in a much clearer understanding of this. Number one, that God does what he says he will do. He comes out of the silence with a much deeper and clearer understanding that God does what he says he will do. And so Zechariah experienced this on a really personal level. I mean, he's holding his son. You know, there are many of you in our church family and you went through long seasons of, of infertility. You went through long seasons of not having a baby. And, and there've been moments where I've gotten to, to hold your, your children. And there's just something about that moment where, where you just realize all the prayers that were prayed and, and all the things that went in. And it's just special. And, and I think about Zechariah and in this moment, he's, he's holding his son, John, this baby he's prayed for for so long. And, and, and it, was, it was exactly like God told him. That he came to him 10 months earlier and says, you will have a child. And, and, and here he is. And, he, and, he, and he's holding his son and he goes, you're a truth teller, God. You're a promise keeper. 
He's holding his son. He, he's got his voice back. And, and the angel had just told him, you know, 10 months earlier, you're going to be mute. But the day your son's born, you're going to speak again. And so he gets his voice back. And so Zechariah is wrestling with this reality that in a very real and personal way, he understands that God does what God says he will do. You ever had a moment like that in life? Where you realize that, that God really does keep his word? Maybe you had a prophetic word spoken over you. We're talking to a friend this summer and she was talking about a prophetic word that was shared over her child, her son. And how that word was the thing that anchored her as the storms of life came and, and, and it came to be true, it came to pass. And, and it's this story of, of, of a, a, a word from God that, that my friend just looks at and goes, man, you're a truth teller. Maybe you had a prophetic word. Maybe it was just the scripture itself where, where you opened up the scripture and, and you realized how much of a truth teller God really is. I remember reading Psalm chapter 34 for a long time in my life where it says that, that God is close to the bro brokenhearted. He is near to those who are crushed in spirit. And I knew that here. When we lost our third child to a miscarriage, I remember going, Oh God, you actually are near the brokenhearted. I understand that, that you are close to those who are crushing spirit, that you are a truth teller. And isn't it true that when you experience this reality that, that God is a truth teller, when you believe it deep in your heart that, that God is trustworthy, you come out on the other side with just confidence. Not wanting to know, but absolutely knowing that God keeps his word. How many of you come here this morning and you go, man, God is a truth teller and a truth keeper. He keeps his word. Zechariah experienced God keeping his word to him personally. And I want you to hear this. And that propelled him to trust that God will keep all his words and all of his promises. He experienced it personally and that propelled him to, to look and think beyond himself and to go, you know what, God, you're not just keeping your word to me. I believe that you keep all of your words. Here's what I mean. In the Old Testament, God had made many promises to the Jewish people, the people of Israel, that one day he would bring his Messiah into the world, that he would bring a savior, that he would bring a king. There are over 300 promises or prophecies about the Messiah, about what he would do, what he would be like, what he would, what he would, the way he would function in this world. And here's what's so beautiful. Did you realize that the first eight verses of Zechariah's song, it's not about John the Baptist. It's not about him getting his voice back. Do you realize what he was talking about? The first eight verses, first eight verses of his song. It's all about the Messiah. Zechariah's holding his son, John the Baptist, who's not the Messiah. And yet all of his words are about the Messiah. And I love it. I don't know if you caught this or not. We'll go back and look at this real quick. All of Zechariah's words are spoken as if they had already happened. Look at verse 68. This is not future. He goes, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. He's speaking about things that haven't happened yet. Mary hasn't conceived. Jesus was not even here yet. And I love this, the confidence that Zechariah is talking with here. 
Zechariah is still in this moment. He's only holding the promises of God. He's only holding the words of God. He's only holding hope for the Messiah to come. He's not actually holding the Messiah himself. And I want you to see this yet in the discipline that he went through. The discipline of a loving father. But he'd realize that if God speaks it, it will come to pass. And I love this change in Zechariah. When, when the angel first came to him, there was apprehensiveness, there was skepticism, there was unbelieving, and, and now he's confident. And I love that because it's just so relatable. And I go, if you come here this morning and, and, you're, str- and you're really struggling to trust God in an area of your life, or maybe you, you come here this morning and you've, and you've actually failed to trust him. You're not just struggling to, but you failed to. I want you to think about and ask the Holy Spirit, what is God wanting to teach you right now? You see, God gave Zechariah another chance, a chance to demonstrate his trust, to demonstrate his trust, to demonstrate his alignment with the word of God. And so that, that came when, when everyone was going, hey, what are you gonna name him? And, and he remembered what the angel said, you were to name him John. And so it's in this moment where, where Zechariah writes down John and the Lord, what he sees in Zechariah is, is someone who has changed. He's got the point. He's learned to trust him. He's learned to align his life under his word. And this is huge because the story isn't Zechariah didn't trust the Lord. And so the Lord just gave up on him. Sorry, bro. You won chance. There was discipline so that he would learn the lesson. And the Lord in his mercy gives him another opportunity. And this time, instead of seeing unbelief, he sees belief. And if this morning you come here and, and you failed to trust the Lord, if you come in this morning and, and you go, I've not just failed to trust him, I've actually failed the Lord. Or if you come here this morning and you go, I've, I've failed to do the thing that he's asked me to do, if we could learn anything from the life of Zechariah, and this is our second thing that he learned, is that our God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. Verse 76, he says, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And so he's prophesying over his son, John, about what he will do, what he will be like, but he's really talking about the greatness of our God. You know, how did, how did Zechariah know that God was forgiving? Sure, he's speaking these words by the Holy Spirit. He's speaking these prophetic words, but they're in alignment with what he'd actually, what he'd experienced. And so, man, how did he know that God was tender in his mercy? How did he know that, that God, one of the things that God loves to do is to shine his light on people who are living in darkness, on those who are, are sad and confused and far from that. One of his favorite things to do is to shine his light and to call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How did he know that, that life with God was marked with peace? because he'd experienced it. If you've ever experienced the forgiveness of God, his tender mercy, 
him coming and finding you when you were hiding in the dark. If you've ever walked with God and experienced his peace, you know these words are true. I look back on my life every once in a while, and I will just, I don't know if you're like this, I will just regret how rebellious I was. And I'm not perfect. I don't stand up here today as a perfect man. There's still things that I struggle with and I'm, I'm not, most certainly not perfect, but I look back on my life and, and I realize how there were just seasons where I just hardened my heart and I, and I did exactly what I wanted. And I was living a duplicitous life. And the fact that the Lord has taken all of my rebellion and he's put the spiritual eternal consequences of my rebellion on Jesus on the cross where it was punished, where it was dealt with, where it was in that moment of Christ's death where I was declared free and forgiven. And when you understand that God is forgiving and merciful, it changes everything about the way that you live. Some of you come in this morning and and you're carrying sin and it's eating away at you. And you don't know what to do. I encourage you to, to bring your sin into the light. To confess it, to receive mercy from our God. This is a detail we might ha have missed over, but do you know, you know, Zechariah uh, experienced being mute because of his unbelief. Do you know how we know that? Because at some point, Zechariah confessed it. At some point when he could speak again, he, he told someone, he told Elizabeth or he told Luke or, or he told somebody, yeah, the reason I went through that is because an angel showed up and I didn't believe him. And you and I get to sit here and read about his story and his life. You and I get to understand that God is a God of second chances, that God is a God of mercy. Why? because Zechariah was willing to bring his sin into the light. God is merciful. Interesting, this week on Monday, I was hanging out with my oldest son, Jones. And we were driving in the car and for some reason, we just started talking about confession. And I love his heart. He has such a tender heart that he's the kid that will come to us and you know, he, will, he will just say sorry and he will make it right. And, and, and it usually just takes a few minutes for him to process it, but he comes around and, and we were driving and I was just telling him, I said, buddy, no one is, it, you know, me and your mom, we're not expecting you to be perfect in life. I want you to understand that, that, that when you do something that is wrong, when you sin, the best thing that you can do is just to confess it. And he said, dad, you've never done anything as bad as I have. And I'm like, you're right, I haven't. You're right, man, totally. I agree completely. And I said, I have, I have friends that I confess into, Jones. That when I, when I stumble, when I sin, when when my heart is out, when I say something, when I do something that's not in line with the heart of God, I, I go to my brothers or I tell your mom, I bring things into the light and it's such a gift. And so we were talking about this on Monday and, and on Wednesday, um, Andrew, who's leading our house church leaders, we, um, uh, uh, he was talking and part of what he was talking about on Wednesday with Ryan and Bailey was, was confession. 
And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm seeing this, this thread and talking to Jen earlier this week. And, and she was telling me about um, a, a girl who is a part of the prayer gathering team. And, and this girl had a dream. And in her dream, it was a dream that, that uh, was about confession and repentance. And so she came to Jen and she said, hey, I think that, that we're actually supposed to, to do this in prayer gathering, that we're supposed to, to step into a time of confession and repentance. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, there is something about this week that you are trying to just like highlight the gift that confession and repentance really is. So tonight at prayer gathering, we're actually gonna lean into this. And some of you are like, great, my Sunday night is now free. Like, no chance I'm going to that. And, and I really wanna just encourage us, man, to not be afraid of confessing sin. And there's never gonna be a time where we're gonna invite you to get up on the mic and tell everyone everything that you've done. That's just not appropriate. But we do wanna give you an opportunity with someone that you trust to, to share places that you're struggling. The reality is it's so freeing to share what you've been carrying to experience mercy and forgiveness from someone else's, to see it in their eyes, to see love. There's something that it actually helps you believe that God is merciful. It's an incredible gift when you get to come out of hiding for someone to know your stuff and to still love you. It's actually the best. This morning, I wanna, I wanna wrap up here, but I want us to just think about, man, is there any part in your life or you're struggling to trust the Lord. Man, is, is it with your, your future? Man, is it, is it with your trusting that the Lord has redeemed and covered your past? Is, is there any part of you right now that is struggling to trust the Lord? And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take communion. Every week we take communion, we gather around the broken body and the, the, the shed blood of Jesus. And we're reminded that only because of what he did for us, only because of what he did for us, are we in the family of God. And so we don't come to this with, with fear that he's gonna kick us out of the family. No, we come with gratitude. We come with our hearts open. We come with, with, with repentant hearts in places that we've stumbled, places that we're, we're not living up to the life that he's called us to live. And so this morning, I wanna invite us just into a time of, of deep communion with the Lord and with each other. And so as you're taking the bread and drinking the cup, I want you to share if there's a part of your life, any part of your life where you're struggling to trust him. And if you need someone to pray with you, there'll be some men and women at the respond band, and we'd love to pray for you. And so I want to invite us to stand. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go take communion. Communion is all around the room, bars and tables. And so, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you that, that you are a God that's in the business of, of being patient with us and, and that you walk with us. And Lord, I pray this morning that any word from you would soak down into the depths of our heart and any words that were for me would be forgotten, forgiven. Lord, draw us close to you this morning. And uh, in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So let's go take communion now. You can come back, circle up your chairs, people around you. There'll be some people that respond, man, we'd love to pray.